turn to the book of the Psalms. Again, it's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. The book of the Psalms. Remember, the Psalms are, are not chapters. They are individual Psalms. So you can say Psalm 122 or 122nd Psalm. Amen. We're just going to read one verse of text in your hearing today, and uh, I do want to, again, thank you for uh, the, the card, the gift. Uh, thank you, uh, more importantly, for your prayers. Amen. I love the church. Praise God. And you're going to hear about that in just a few moments. Praise God. I, I had not planned it this way. But uh, I think it's all right. Praise God. Psalm 122 and verse number 1. Can we actually read that together? We're just going to read one verse. Are you ready? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let's try that one more time. Are you ready? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Praise God. That's what I'm going to preach about today. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Anybody recognize that building? Praise God. I'm so glad. For those of you that have been around some time, you've heard my testimony. In fact, you've probably heard it more than once. However, I believe that... Uh, that we often must remind ourselves from whence we have come. Amen. Anybody remember your testimony? Praise God. What is it that the Lord has done in your life? What sin or bondage did He set you free from? What addictions or oppressions were you under? How did the Lord reach you? It's good to remember. I was around four years old. I hadn't noticed that every Sunday there was a big yellow bus that was coming through the apartment complex picking up kids to go to Sunday school. My mom did. She wanted something good for us boys. Uh, maybe she wanted to just get us out of the house. I don't know, but she, she called the church and spoke uh, with, at, at that time, Pastor Hassebrock. And I do remember the first time I saw him, uh, he had come to the apartment and I remember when uh, my mom opened the door and I saw him standing there. To me, he looked exactly like he does right now. He's not changed, right? Anybody know the bishop? He just looks the same. And, uh, I, and I remember him standing at the door and I, uh, I remember him coming in, sitting down at the dining room table with my mom. I have no idea what they talked about, only the result. Uh, and so the next Sunday... I was now riding the big yellow Sunday school bus with my brother. Now, I don't remember how long it took me to get acclimated, but uh, at some point, the church, the, the bus, the teachers, they became mine. I loved it. I loved them. Praise God. My brother and I, we would race to the Sunday school bus in the morning, and when we were taken home, and we got off the bus, we would race to get back to our, our house. I loved riding that bus. It had no cushions on the seats. You could still see the brush strokes of the paint brushes that were used to paint the bus and the seats. Any, any old timers remember? All right. I loved my Sunday school teachers. I loved the stories that gone are the days of flannel graphs. <laughs> Some of you remember I love the songs that we would sing. I love the papers that I got to bring home. As I grew into a preteen, I loved getting involved. I, I still loved coming to church, even asking for rides to come to night services many times. Finally, when I could drive myself, I was at every church service that I could get to. I was involved in the church, teaching, singing. I, I loved the excitement of the kids as they would now come to class and and I loved my youth group, and of, of which there's still a few of us, praise God, that are here still, praise God. I love the people. Some of you were there. 
I can still remember what some of the saints were wearing to church. Brother Demas would wear his sky blue suit. Brother Webster would wear his, his dusty rose blazer. <laughs> Some old folks are laughing because you remember. I loved my church. Those old wood pews that, that over time began to snag clothing. And <laughs> Amen. Now, I continued on in life and ministry, went to Bible college, helped start a bus ministry for the church I attended while there, and I loved those kids, and I could share some stories about that as well. And so many other things through, through the years that, that God has allowed me to do and to be involved in in His church. I love the church. My wife at least agrees with me, praise God. I love the church. Does anybody love the church? Hey, that's all right. For the last eight years, God has blessed me and my wife to be here as the pastor of this church, the one that I was raised in, the one that, that God reached me and saved me through. I love this church. I love each of you. I pray for each of you. The elder and the younger, the, the old saints and the new saints. I love the church. Praise God. Without qualification. Not, you're not going to get a, a but or a however in there. I love the church. Amen. And I'm so glad to be a part of the church. And I'm so glad that every Sunday I get to go to church. I'm so glad that every Wednesday I get to go to church. I'm so glad that whenever the opportunity comes up, when I get to go to church, that I get to go to church. I just repeat what the psalmist said that we read today. I'm, I, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Praise God. We know that the church is the people. It's not the building. I praise God for our building. I praise God for the property that we now have. Folks, we've got parking. <laughs> if you knew the building downtown that we were in, we had no parking of our own. Praise God. The church is the fellowship. It's not the location. It's the, it's the gathering, not the gathering place. However... There is a need for gathering. There is need for a place to gather. And what you will find in Scripture is that there was need for a house of the Lord. Amen. Punch your neighbor and say, say, the house of the Lord. Now, for convenience and and, and, and communication, and simply because we have trained certain habits, we oftentimes refer to the building, the location, as the church. There's no, no denying the fact that the Scripture declares the importance of the gathering. But the gathering in the Scripture, they would, they would go into places like the tent of meeting. They would bring their sacrifices to the tabernacle. It's in the book of Exodus that we see the first use of the phrase, the house of the Lord, in reference to the tabernacle. The holy place was found there. And in the holy place was the Ark of the Covenant upon which sat the mercy seat. And it was from above the mercy seat that God said He would dwell. In Exodus 25, verse 22, He said, And there I will meet with you, and I will commune with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testament, testimony, and of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. So it's there in that place that God said, I will commune with you in the house of the Lord. And then when the time came that, that it came time to move from the tabernacle into the temple, the temple became the house of of the Lord. Now David in 1 Chronicles chapter 17 verse 1, he wanted to build a house for the Lord. Amen. 
He says, Now it came to pass, as David sat in his house, that David said to Nathan the prophet, Lo, I dwell in a house of cedars, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remains under curtains. He wanted to build a house for the Lord, a structure in which the worship could continue. He wanted there to be a house for the Lord. But David, unfortunately, would not be the one to build the house for the Lord. That great responsibility would be given to his son, Solomon. When Solomon built the temple, what an amazing feat of engineering and planning because not one hammer, not one saw was found on the work site. After taken into captivity, the temple had to be rebuilt because it was destroyed. The Babylonians destroyed it, and so it needed to be rebuilt. It was Zerubbabel upon whom that privilege would fall that he built the second temple. And if they were going to return to Jerusalem in that time and build their houses again, so too would they build the house of the Lord. Folks, we find in Scripture that the house of the Lord was extremely important. It was extremely vital to them, their worship and their identity. Amen. Because there in the house of the Lord, as we have already mentioned, that God would dwell there. God declared in his dwelling, or declared his dwelling in the tabernacle, so it was with the temple. It would be the place of his abode. In 2 Chronicles 29, verse 6. Scripture reads that our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and have forsaken him and have turned away their faces from what? The habitation of the Lord. Jesus in the New Testament rebukes the scribes and the Pharisees, those hypocrites, because they would make oaths and they would, they would uh, swear, not, not by God himself and not by the name of God, but they would swear by the temple or the altar or by heaven. And Jesus told them in Matthew 23, 21, that whosoever shall swear by the temple swears by it and by him that dwells therein. I would think if anybody knows what they're talking about, Jesus does. And so it was a habitation for the Lord. A place that God said, my name will be there and that I will meet from that place above the mercy seat. I will meet you and commune with you. Could a temple such as has walls and doors contain the presence of the Almighty? I say emphatically no. But it was the place identified as that where God would meet with man, would commune with man in that holy of holies from above the mercy seat. Now understand that the temple, the, the, the house of the Lord, not just the temple, but the, the, those places designated in Scripture called the house of the Lord, that those places of gathering would be a place in which God would work and that God would move and certain things could happen there. Praise God. The house of the Lord was a place of counsel. Hezekiah, when he was distraught, he brought the letters of the enemy, the threatenings of the enemy, and he laid them out on the altar before the Lord and asked for the counsel of God. It's at the house of the Lord that offerings would be brought. It was a it was built by the offerings of the people, and they continued to bring certain types and different types of offerings. You remember the widow that only had two mites? She gave more than what many of the wealthy were giving, just simply with two mites. The house of the Lord was to be a house of prayer. Oh, you've already got scripture going in your mind where Jesus cast out those and said, my house will be called a house of prayer. But it was also for people like Hannah. Not this one, but she can pray too. 
But people like Hannah in the Scripture, she would come and she would pray because she was barren and she so desperately wanted a child. And she prayed and she prayed. Or those who, like Solomon, who at the dedication of the temple... He began to pray and he, he made statements like this, that if, if someone has wronged their neighbor, if, if, they, if they're defeated in battle because of their sin, if there's famine or drought or foreigners come into the land, if your people have sinned and they turn to this place and pray, Solomon asked that God would hear from heaven and would forgive their sin and would supply their need. It was a place, the house of the Lord was a place of prayer. It was a place of worship like David after his child died. The first thing he did, the scripture shows us, is that he cleaned himself up and he went directly to the house of the Lord and worshipped. It was a place of dedication. You remember Hannah? Not this one, but the one in the Bible. After she prayed for that child, when God gave her a son, when that child was old enough, she took him by the hand and, and walked him to the house of the Lord and said, you stay right here. Now that was, that's over, oversimplifying it, but, but she took him to the house of the Lord and left him there with Eli. And he dwelt there in the house of the Lord the rest of his days. It's a place of dedication. Praise God. The house of the Lord is a place of refuge. Has anybody ever found refuge in the house of the Lord? Joash was protected from the queen Athaliah until he was old enough to take the throne. Or like David who fled for his life from Saul and he found refuge in the house of the Lord. Folks, there is something to be said about the house of the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. I know we don't have to have the four walls to be able to worship God. I know we don't have to have the roof over our heads to be able to praise and worship the Lord. I know we don't have to have the carpeting and the nice chairs to be able to serve God. But I'm telling you what. There is something about being able to identify a place of gathering that is dedicated unto the worship and the service of God. We can say it's not the Pentecostals of Sarasota, but together we call it the house of the Lord. You see, the house of the Lord from the time of Moses was the place of God's dwelling. And as such, it became central to their living and thus became the focal point of their identity as a nation. I hope everybody heard me. You see, the other nations around them, they were identified by the gods whom they served. They were identified by the gods of Baal and Chemosh and Ashtaroth. They were identified by, by the groves and the, and the temples that they built to their gods. Anybody remember the Greeks? The Parthenon? Sound familiar? They had their own structures and it was, it was given to the worship of their gods. And so we also find in Scripture that the Hebrews, the covenant people of Jehovah, became identified by the one true God who dwelt among them in their midst. You see, he, unlike the other gods, was not aloof and not far off from them as those false gods were. No, he dwelt among them. He was working in their midst, forgiving their sins, and leading them forward. Their identity was wrapped up in the house of the Lord. Because when they, when they couldn't find God for themselves, they were struggling in the 
circumstances and situations of life. They could remember Solomon's prayer and and remember to turn to this place and pray. That like Daniel when he was in Babylon and people were coming against him, when they made statutes and ordinances and laws against the ability to pray to any other god than the king, what did Daniel do? He opened his windows where? Toward Jerusalem, which was where the temple of God was. And he prayed. It was the place that you could see from a long distance. You've heard me talk about the tabernacle in the wilderness, the white curtains that surrounded that tabernacle. And you think of those white curtains standing out against the backdrop of the arid climate that they were in, the wilderness that was around them, and all you see is that white curtain tabernacle. Hallelujah. It was like a beacon to the lost. It was the place most easily identifiable by the people, and it was central to their living. It was such a vital part of their identity that when enemies, because of their sin, would come against them and win victory, what would the enemies do? They would take the stuff from the temple. They couldn't worship like they used to anymore because the stuff was taken. The Babylonians, they destroyed Solomon's temple. And when they came back to Jerusalem, they, uh, the, the Jews rebuilt it with the help of Zerubbabel. And centuries later, Herod refurbished and enlarged the temple, only to be destroyed again by the Romans in A.D. 70. Why? Because by doing so, you take their identity from them. Folks, how many of us call ourselves Christians? becomes your identity when the kingdom divided after Solomon it was Rehoboam who was the new king of the northern kingdom of Israel and that new king of Israel he didn't want the people going down to Jerusalem which was in the southern kingdom of Judah so what did he do he set up two other places of worship in the northern kingdom to keep those people from going down to the temple, the house of the Lord. And what you see in the northern kingdom of Israel is that not one of those kings were ever righteous before God. The house of the Lord is important. The house of the Lord is part of our identity. It was the temple, in the temple that sacrifices were offered twice daily. But it was to the temple, to the house of the Lord, that every male Jew was to go three times a year. They were to make their journeys from whatever corner of the world that they were in. And three times a year go to Jerusalem for three different feasts. The Feast of Passover, the Feast of Weeks, or what we call Pentecost, or the, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's because of these feasts that we get a certain grouping of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. The Psalms of Ascent. Now just let me know you're with me by saying Psalms of Ascent. There you go. Okay, good. I still, still got you. Doing a little bit more teaching this, in the preaching this morning. But these are Psalms of Ascent. And it's Psalms, I believe it's 120. I could be wrong with that, but it's right, right about there. Psalms 120 through Psalm 134. When you, if you open your Bible, you'll see at, the, at the, the description of those Psalms, it might call it a song of degrees. A song of degrees is another way of putting it. And very simply, what that means is that it was these Psalms that when the, the Jews would make their journey from their home to Jerusalem to the house of the Lord, that they would sing or say these psalms on the way. 
It was their playlist for the journey. And so they would, they would sing these psalms on the way. As they made their journey, their approach to the city in, in, of Jerusalem and to the temple. And among those psalms, we find the one from which we read today. Psalm 122, verse number 1. Now you can go ahead and turn there. Brother Lee will probably put it up here. Yes, we're going to read the whole psalm. I was glad when they said unto me. Now remember, they're on their way to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to do what? To give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say peace be within thee because of what? The house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. There's something about the house of the Lord. I don't get the same privilege that you get. Because you get to drive to church. You get to turn down Sawyer Road and, and from whichever direction, you get to see the church on your approach. Now I will say I get a different privilege than you. I get to live just a few feet away and just walk down the driveway. Folks, it's still exciting to come to the house of the Lord. It's still such a wonderful thing. The, the, now, I know not every Sunday is the same, but isn't it still just a good feeling? I'm almost there. And when you turn down the street, you see the building, and you see... The, the beautiful color that, that, that it was painted. You get to see the, the, the nice brick out front and, and you, it just you're, something begins to happen in your heart that you're almost to the house of the Lord. I can only imagine as those that made their journey from wherever they live to Jerusalem, I can only imagine the feeling of the approach as the traveler begins the journey with hope and expectation as the excitement of seeing the great city of David, Mount Zion, and, and thinking of the house of the Lord and the sacrifices that will be offered as they remember what God has done in their lives. Imagine the feeling as they come over the hill and from a distance off they can now see that great city and it only gets better when they get to identify the temple from a distance. Pace picks up. The hope comes alive. The heart begins to beat just a little faster. That's why the writer could say so easily, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Pastor, what are you trying to say today? Well, I'm going to tell you very emphatically, as I have said briefly before, that God in Old Testament and New Testament times, it's stated very clearly that God does not dwell in houses made with hands. Stephen, being the first martyr of the Christian church, he repeated the words of the Old Testament writer when he said in Acts chapter 7, verse 49, Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What house will you build me? What saith the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? We know that according to Paul's writing, that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We know that the church is not the building. It's the people. We know this. Praise God. But we still need to gather to be a part of the church. We still need to come together to be a part of the church. No, it's not the building. It's the gathering. 
And the gathering place that we have designated is 5055 Sawyer Road, Sarasota, Florida, 34233. And we call it the house of the Lord. (laughs) Praise God. Now, I'm going to be your pastor this morning. Thank you for honoring me. I appreciate it. Now I've got an open door. Praise God. In the last two years, we have been subject to the fears of COVID. We have experienced lockdowns and shutouts and all whatever you want to call it. The first year was the worst because we were still learning, getting our, our minds around it, getting our, our bearings. And, and now we're, we're almost done with the second year. We're nearing its conclusion. But I'm telling you this morning, it isn't the disease that hinders the church. Hear your pastor. It is not COVID that hinders the church any longer. What has set in is a level of taking our ease, of finding contentment without the fellowship or gathering. Think back before COVID. Folks, we had church minimum three times a week. Twice on Sunday, once on Wednesday, youth on Friday. And then any other special meetings. And most wouldn't miss a service. Most, when they, when they needed to miss a service, they would actually call or text and say, Pastor, I can't make it tonight for this, this reason. I don't force it. Everybody here knows I don't force that. It's just nice to know. Thank you. We used to. Before the COVID lockdowns. But now, we don't have Sunday service yet because we haven't quite gotten everybody back for Wednesday. Ooh, pastor's pastor's talking. Oh, we're not done, folks. We're going to get back to the happy place. That's what we did two years ago. How excited we were when we got into this brand new building building, and we were able to have church. And that was for about two weeks or a month before COVID. Now there's a number that come on Sunday morning, but few that come on Wednesday nights. We go to restaurants, we go to stores, we go to family gatherings and other things. Folks, we are in a dangerous time right now. Will we be content? And I'm, I'm, folks, you got to understand, service, gatherings, coming to the house of the Lord, it's important because it's important in the scripture. The body, the church needs to come together. It is a biblical premise and I'm going to preach about that for just the next few minutes because we're in a dangerous time right now the scripture tells us in the book of Amos woe to those who are at ease in Zion we cannot be content with one service once a week let me just encourage you this morning yes I know that that we can we can worship from home And I praise God for those who are joining us online, that you're worshiping from home, making the best of it. But there needs to be a gathering back. There needs to be a coming home to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. We cannot miss the point. The church must gather. Let me quickly go through some scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to give you just a few verses here. Verse number 13. By one spirit we're all baptized into one body. Everybody say one. Whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether bond or free, we've all been made to drink into one spirit. For the body, everybody say the body, is not one member, but many. Verse 20. Now are they many members, but yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, 
nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. We cannot look at somebody, and folks, this is the way we read it. As we look at somebody, according to this scripture, the way we read it is that I don't like you, so I don't need you. But the reality is, is that we can't say I'm going to stay home because I can worship God all by myself and we become islands unto ourselves when the scripture tells us that no man is an island unto himself. And we find people of the church that are not gathering with the church. Folks, you got to come back and be a part of the body. I'm not just talking to those at home. I'm talking to everybody here who were missing church. Whew. You want your gift back? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Not only are we the body, but think about this for a moment. Uh, Ephesians 2, 19. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, praise God, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building, everybody say all the building, fitly framed together. What do they do? Grow to what? The holy temple of the Lord, in whom you also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Yes, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost in and of yourself because God chooses to abide in you by filling you with His Spirit. But folks, we can grow together to become a habitation of the Lord, a house of the Lord, so to speak, not of the four walls, but anytime we get together where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. Praise God. Let me give you the, the old standby scripture. I hope we're not tired of it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. I love starting with this verse, not verse 25. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Folks, he's coming soon. And we don't have time to play games. We don't have time to stress and worry about getting sick from COVID. We need the church. Oh, there's times. There's times that, that we, that we have, to, have to separate because of something. But we've got to come back together. There's healing that happens in the house of the Lord. There's strength that happens in the house of the Lord. There's a binding together that happens in the house of the Lord. There's forgiveness that takes place in the house of the Lord. Folks, what can happen when we get together? When we get our minds right and our hearts right? There was a story of 120 people gathered together in an upper room seeking God because they went to the house of the Lord for one of the feasts. Come on, somebody. That'll preach on its own. They made their way to the house of the Lord for the feast of Pentecost. And while there, 120 people got together and they began to pray as Jesus told them to do so. And in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost happened. Hallelujah. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost for the first time, the birth of the church, of which I'm so glad to be a part of. And in Acts chapter 3, you see those same disciples, they're, they, they've got the Holy Ghost now, they've got the power of God in them now. And they're not content with that. Because in Acts chapter 3, what do we see them do in verse number 1? Peter and John, they're going to the temple. They're still going. 
They didn't have to separate themselves because, because they can worship God on their own. No. They went to the temple. And when they went to the temple, folks, a miracle happened. The lame man at the gate was, was healed. His feet and ankle bones straightened out. We see in Acts chapter 20, verse number 7, that it was the first day of the week that the disciples were come together to break bread and Paul was preaching to them. They were having church. And something awesome happened. One of the young guys was sitting in the window and he fell from the third story and he died. Pastor, that doesn't sound very awesome. No, but because they were gathered together, faith was there. The word was there. And Peter went down and he wrapped himself around that young man, Eutychus, and he prayed and he was brought back to life. Folks, there's something powerful that happens when we come together. There's something amazing that happens when we come together. Folks, it was in, in a gathering of the saints that I and many of us found a place of repentance in response to the word of God. That many of us were baptized when we came together with the church that many of us we received the Holy Ghost when we were in the house of the Lord together it was in a gathering like this today that most everyone here has been moved in worship and had a breakthrough in your spirit it was in a gathering much like today that a word from the Lord went forth into your life and you were stirred to change or received a confirmation of God's direction in your life yes you can worship from home you can pray, you can read your Bible, you can clap, you can sing. But there's power in gathering. You gain strength from fellowship. You gain hope from fellowship. I've seen relationships restored because of gathering. Because forgiveness happens here. Humility happens here. Revival happens here. I'm almost done, literally. Go ahead and come on up, sister. Give everybody hope. If you aren't sure you want to gather, then I don't know that you're sure you want to be a part of the body of Christ. If you don't want to gather, I assume, praise God, I assume the mercy of God on you that you will make it to heaven. Because when you get there, what are you going to do with yourself? Did you know that in the temple, the Holy of Holies, the place where the Ark of the Covenant was, that the mercy seat sat on that, that God said, I will dwell with you above that mercy seat. Did you know that that room, just the Holy of Holies, was 15 cubits high, 15 cubits wide, and 15 cubits deep. And only the high priest could go once a year, so one man once a year could go into that room. But that room was a shadow of something to come. When you read Revelation in New Jerusalem, New Jerusalem is, is, is the pattern for which the temple was made. Because New Jerusalem was 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles wide, and 1,500 miles deep. And guess who dwells there? The Lord Almighty. And now, it's not just going to be one person that gets to go. Now it's open to everybody who wants to make their way into the presence of the Almighty. Revelation chapter 7, verse number 9. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations, all kindreds, and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God which sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. 
And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell down before the, the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, this is John writing, What are these? which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, you know. And he's... said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve Him day and night where? In His temple. And He that sits on the throne shall dwell among them. We will never be rid of the house of the Lord. Would you stand with me this morning? There's an old hymn. I don't know if... There's an old hymn, and we're going to sing a different one than what I'm going to say right now. I've got I to gotta, I teach these old hymns. At the sounding of the trumpet, when the saints are gathered home, we will greet each other by the crystal sea. When the Lord himself from heaven to his glory bids them come, what gathering of the faithful that will be. What a gathering gathering at the sounding of the glorious jubilee what a gathering gathering what a gathering of the faithful that will be hallelujah folks we're in this together we're in this together and what a blessing it is every sunday every wednesday and whatever other times we choose to have church I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Praise God. You got that tune? I got, I got, I got to look up the, the lyrics here. I thought, give me just a second. Anybody want to come help me sing? Trust me. Okay, ready? Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercies and his grace in the mansions bright and blessed. He'll prepare for us a place when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We will sing and shout the victory while we walk the pilgrim pathway clouds will over spread the sky but when traveling days are over not a shadow not a sign oh when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be when we Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of in glory will the toys of life repay. Oh, 
to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We will sing and shout the victory. Onward to the prize before us. Soon His beauty will behold. Soon the pearly gates will open. We shall tread the streets of gold. Oh, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we victory oh when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see jesus we will sing and shout the victory when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus we will sing and shout the victory hallelujah Jesus' name.